0: It looks like the sand people did this all right. Look, there's gaffy sticks, bantha tracks, it's just... I've never heard of them hitting anything this big before.
1: They didn't, but we are meant to think they did.
2: These tracks are side by side. Sand people always ride single file to hide their numbers.
1: These are the same Jawas that sold us R2 and 3PO.
2: And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial
0: stormtroopers are so precise.
2: But why would Imperial troops want to slaughter Jawas?
1: If they traced the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back...
2: home. Oh, wait, Luke! It's too dangerous!
1: Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone... So pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Four hundred and fifty-four, Tracker. I'm whatever. Jason and with the new protector and Alex to my um, James Arnold Taylor because we're all Obi Wan Kenobi day today for some reason. We've got Carl Leclerc and Mark Newbold.
0: Hello, everybody. <laughs> Mark, I'm <laughs> Hello? so excited to have you on the show. You are one of the premier Star Wars content creators of of ancient past. And uh, so excited to, to, to finally have you on the show and in a little embarrassed it took us 10 years to make it happen.
2: It's one of those things. It's my fault as well. I honestly thought I'd been on at some point, but we seem to have like, ships in the night. We've missed each other. So here we go. We have finally made it happen.
0: Better late than
1: never, you know? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so one of those things, like we've, we've talked online for so long. We've seen each yeah. other at conventions. So and, it's like, oh, yeah, it's Mark, you know, and then it's like, wait, we actually never did that on a podcast, did we? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I remember it was, I think it was
0: Celebration um, 6, I want to say, because I believe it was in Orlando,
1: Um,
0: and we, this was back in the days when you were still doing Jedi news, and you had a a big table there, and we got to help work the table for one afternoon, because we right. were somewhat new to Star Wars Report. We, I think, we that was the first time we met you in person. You were so kind, so lovely, and you know us two little dorky newbies, and uh, you made us right at home at your table. And uh, uh, you know, used your platform to give us a platform in the early days. So, just always been so appreciative of of what you do for Star Wars fandom. Oh, that's very
2: kind. That's very kind. Yeah, it's uh, you know what it's like. You know, you guys i don't know how many hundred episodes you've done and and you know I've, i'm always doing stuff on Fanthor or before that and jedi news before that and lightsaber before that on wire zone you know all, all sorts of stuff going back too far but uh you know you just get on with it and get busy but yeah it's, it's nice to just stick your head up every now and again and see what's going on out there
0: absolutely mm-hmm. um well for to kind of just get this conversation going and and this is really just to have a, a fun conversation around star wars but um, I'm sure so many of the folks listening are well aware of who you are um, and your long history as, a again, a, a content creator in Star Wars. And, I mean, you, you've been doing stuff even longer than we have. And, you know, it's, it was such a different space for content creating over a decade ago. Um, I mean, now, you know, you can... You can throw your your net out and catch a thousand Star Wars podcasts. Ten years ago, you might catch 12. Um, so it's a very different world in Star Wars fandom and Star Wars uh, fan creations. But you were there, you know, kind of from the beginning. It just if you could just give us kind of a rundown of how you got into doing, you know, all the things you've done in Star Wars. I mean, you've been. You've been such a primary source of Star Wars news for so long. Where did that come from? When did you start it? Can, can you kind of give us the rundown? That's very kind. Um, yeah,
2: I guess in terms of websites, I did, I did a couple of fanzines first in sort of the early 90s. But in terms of websites, the first one, don't tell anyone. My first website was actually a Star Trek website uh, <laughs> back in 95, <about> <laughs> which very quickly became a general sort of sci-fi website called Phantom War. And then it sort of built a little – and this is before I even had a computer. My my old cohort, Louis, was the, the techie guy. Um, but in 97, we launched a site called Wirezone, and that's where the Star Wars stuff started. And then a couple of years after that, we changed names to Lightsaber, and I did Lightsaber for about 10 years. And, and during the span of Lightsaber, which was initially uh, sort of role-play, fan fiction kind of website, you know, there was a lot going on with the prequel trilogy – uh, lots of other Star Wars news happening, lots of Lucasfilm news, and I just started to add a bit more news and a bit more news and a bit more current affairs, if you like, about what was going on, uh, and that's how Lightsaber kind of evolved. Uh, and then in 2005, end of 2005, I did my first podcast, so that's well, I mean, that's getting on for twenty years, um, uh, which was again very broad and general, not just Star Wars, um but it's just built from there. I joined Jedi News in 2010, which I guess is where most people would would sort of first really got to know my name i've done the insider before then i had been on com before then and a few other bits but I, I guess you know to the broader world like you know jedi news was was uh, quite a big deal back then um and did that for seven years and then four and a half years ago um me and a couple of the other guys launched Fanta tracks which is uh, which has been huge fun and uh, really enjoyable but yeah it's it's just getting out there and getting the news and Talking to other folks like yourselves, and I, I just love the buzz of being in this, this especially this side of the fandom. Like you, you said there were content creator. It's it's that sort of group of fans who are all looking at things from a slightly different angle, but we're all pulling stuff out of it to you know to share elsewhere. And I do really enjoy that part of it.
1: Okay, I do have I do have to say something. Uh, Mark has been doing this since before computers, apparently, because he <laughs> you did something called. A fanzine? What? Yeah, I, that's not a, That's before my time. What is a fanzine for any of our younger listeners? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very good. But it basically, it's basically a self-published magazine. So we did, we did two issues of something called Fanta War, which was Fantasy Warehouse. So my friend Louis was was the sort of the lead of all this back in the day, and was trying to build up a little brand, if you want to call it that. And so we did. A, it really was like, you know, four sides of A4 stapled together with a cover sort of thing. Uh, and, and just did a couple of issues. But the second issue, the thing that really, at the time, it sounds so quaint now, and it really is kind of quaint now, but we, we went to a convention uh, down in London called UKAC, which was the UK Comic Art Convention in, I think it was 94, I'd like to say. And we handed out copies. We probably only had about 30 printed. We handed out copies of this magazine. And in the back of the magazine, at the time, this is so weird, I was wearing a biker's jacket with Betty Page painted on the back of the jacket. And in the the back of this magazine, I said, if anybody spots this tall guy in a Betty Page uh, biker's jacket, come over and say hi. And we'd left a few sort of by the door and a few on tables as we walked around. And somebody came over and said, hi, Mark. And it was the very first time I ever got noticed or spotted for like pretty much anything uh, of note. (laughs) Uh, which was nothing, because it was just like, say hi to the big guy in the, in, the, in the leather jacket sort of thing. But that just that just gave us both such a buzz that, well, for them to know that I was the guy in the in the Betty Page leather jacket, they must have picked up the magazine, so that means they must have read it. So we've actually got readers now, and it just felt like a big deal. But as I say, Luby was the techie guy. This is before Word. This was when, if you wanted to type the letter A, you would type zero, one and B was zero two. It was that kind of antiquated, really early doors sort of computer stuff. And that's how we, we basically did the site. You know, you couldn't put images in it because it just couldn't hold images. It was just so ancient. Um, and now, I guess, look back, it's nearly, wow, where are we now? 2000? Yes, nearly 30 years ago. That's frightening. I wish I hadn't thought that now. Uh, but, but, yes, it was a very different world, very different world.
0: Way to bring that up right away, Jason. Um- <laughs> Mark, how old are you? Okay, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But oh my goodness! Well, so, so, well, Mark, you are um, obviously you are a child of the original era, right? I mean, you grew up. Um, did, did you see A New Hope when you were a child?
2: Yeah, yeah, very lucky. It was. It was only, to my best recollection, and, and I've thought this for years. I'm pretty sure I'm correct. The very first film I saw was Benji. No, tell a lie. The very first film I saw was 101 Dalmatians. Then it was Benji, and then thankfully I wasn't just forever going to only see films starring dogs. So <laughs> I saw Star Wars, which if you catch your <laughs> I guess is kind of not a million miles away, but yeah. Um yeah, my dad took me to see A New Hope and the very first scene I ever saw was the Han versus Greedo scene because we turned up late. Um, so everyone remembers the Star Destroyer coming in as their first sort of moving image of Star Wars. Mine is Han and Greedo uh, <laughs> having their little face off. And thankfully, the usherette was wonderful. She said, "Look, I know you guys came in late, so she let us stay for the for the next showing. And I'm sure she wouldn't have kicked us out if we'd have watched the whole thing again. But my dad, being my dad's, when we got to the Han and Greedo scene, when you've already seen this, come on, then we went home six-year-old me was kind of heartbroken that I never got to see it twice, or once and a half. But uh, hey-ho. Yeah. yeah, I did. I was very lucky I did see Star Wars uh, on the big screen for the first time, yeah.
0: Wild. And and it premiered later in England than it did in the States, right?
2: Yeah, it did, yeah. 27th of December
0: we got it. In in
2: London, it was just two screens in London. I think it was Leicester Square and the Dominion down in London. A lot of people here say, I saw it in seventy seven. They didn't. They saw it in 78. I mean, it didn't really reach (laughs) anywhere outside of London until sort of January, February of 78. I think I saw it in the Easter, so I would have just been about six when when Star Wars came out, there or or thereabouts. Um, But yeah, just like the States, it, it it completely took over everything. And, you know, you guys had stuff that was, you know, the thing to watch back in the day. In the States, it was Wonder Woman, Incredible Hulk, Bionic Man, that sort of stuff. Over here, Doctor Who, Blake 7. The Real cheap, shonky, wobbly set stuff, so very easy for Star Wars to blow everything else out of the water. <laughs>
0: um, well, uh, so, I mean, the, Star Wars has been a part of your life for so long, then. I mean, if you saw yeah. this at six years old, um, at what point, you know, what sounds like those fanzines were your kind of early foray into Star Wars creative mode? Um, What was the inspiration behind that? Like, why? Still, all these years later, are you still, you know, working in the world of Star Wars? uh, You know, Star Wars news. Uh, What? You know, it's probably hard to nail this down easily. But what is it about Star Wars that it's just like, yeah, I want to. I keep wanting. I want to keep creating stuff for other people in this fan community.
2: Well, the first, the first creative thing, and this is really, really sad. Yeah, was 1982. I wrote my first fan. That's 40 years ago. I wrote my first fan fiction, and so from sort of 82 through to wow, the early 2000s, fanfic was my big thing. So over that span of time, dozens of short stories, and I even wrote a full full length novel, um, just all fanfic stuff. And that's what lightsaber was. So so from that first thing in 82, it just just became a thing where i wanted to write star wars but the, the news thing became interesting because i would you know on, on my old site lightsaber it was literally every news article was basically a paragraph and even today if you look at fantha it's basically a paragraph a bit of blurb from the article and and a few images it's fairly brief and brisk but i do enjoy you know trying to i mean some days you're just banging it out because you've got to get it done other days, you can actually write something that's quite. Wait, gives me. It pops me. So if it makes me happy, I'm happy, sort of thing. Uh, if anybody else likes it, it's a bonus. But I just love. I just love the buzz of it. There's never a day when there's not something Star Wars related going on. It, it's some days it's hard to find news. Some days the only source of news is Star Wars. dot com, and you've got to sort of root around. Other days, I'm thinking, how am I going to get this all on? It's <laughs> it's this too much. Um, but the great thing is because actually is sort of a, a broad church in that we'll cover, you know, movie news or we'll cover – we've started putting um, a lot of, like, the fan videos on lately, which I really enjoy the creativity, and people re- reading the site seem to really be reacting to that in a good way. So that's fun because um, it's just another way of – if you're technically minded and can do it, it's a great way of expressing your, you know, your appreciation for Star Wars. We cover a lot of the uh, – um, uh products and such you know the toys and collectibles and all of that so that's very much a a key focus a lot of the members of the site uh, members of the team are very focused on that so we do cover a lot of stuff so just the drive to do it i think it's because i've just done it for so long as well i can't i get antsy i literally physically get twitchy if i can't post something to the site which sounds so sad and it really is i need to get a life but i just (laughs) it just lights me up it just makes me happy i get home from a long day of work I do travel quite a bit with work and I'll get home and my relaxation is booting the computer up, putting the headphones on, put a bit of, you know, bit of Star Wars music on and just writing stuff on the site. And that just simmers me down. So it's, it's, it's a hobby and it's something that I do. I just love it.
0: I'm I'm curious about how you, I mean, in a lot of ways you're, you're kind of a Star Wars journalist really. Um, and it, it, from what I've seen over all the years that you know I've followed Jedi News and Phantatracks, you seem to do a really nice job of you just kind of put the information out there like like any good journalist. You it almost seems like you don't weigh in on things. It's just like, hey, here's the news. Here's here's what's happening, or here's this here's this thing that just dropped. Um, I'm just curious. Like, do you do you have any training as a journalist? Do you feel like you've become a bit of a journalist because of all these years? Because um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because I very well could be, but it does. It just seems like you put out very unbiased information, um, which in a lot of ways I kind of love in where the – in certain ways the fandom has morphed over the years where it's it's become aggressively opinionated. I feel like Fanthatrax and Jedi News have always been a- apart from that. You know, you you uh, you certainly love Star Wars and you're just giving us information. Um it, Is that something intentional? Is that, you know, can you speak to that a bit?
2: Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that because nobody's ever quite sort of analyzed it in that sense. But that is very much my MO. Um, I think like news should be anyway. I mean, general real world news is that you should present the facts as best as you can and say, you know, here you go, world. Figure this one out. You know, some will swing left, some will swing right, some will love it, some will hate it, whatever. Just try and put the facts out there as, as, as honestly as you can. Um, and for me, I think, I, think, I think for me, yeah, there's a lot of egos in, I'm uh, not just Star Wars, in any endeavor, in any fandom, in any thing that people do. And I know I, I've got opinions about plenty of things, but I, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe, here we go, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older, I don't know, just a, older than others, let's say, I don't know. I just think if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything. So if there's particularly negative stuff or if there's something that I'm not a mad fan of, but I think that still needs to be on the site, I'll post it. And I'll I'll, I'll post it as cleanly and as, as unbiased as I possibly can. But you, I, I would like to think you certainly know and I love something. So if anybody's read any of our reviews of uh, From the Desert Comes a Stranger – I would imagine there's love bites on your neck after reading that because we absolutely <laughs> adored it, you know. Um, and certainly I'm making tracks on the podcast that we do uh, every week, myself and Mark Wolcaster every Tuesday. Um, well, we, on a Wednesday, we do reaction chat now, which is like as, as near as we can to the release of the episode, just talking about it. And uh, that's where we just cut loose. And yeah, we love it or not so keen on that. And we're a little bit more because it's because it's more verbal, because it's more us. I think for me, um, I, yeah, I, I post most of the stuff on Fanthatracks, certainly in terms of the front-page news stuff, but I'm, I'm not Fantatrax. Fanthatracks is me and Matt and Brian and Mark and probably a dozen other people, and I don't speak for all of them, so I'm trying to be as... as, as yes, yeah, sh- certainly you're reading Mark's write-up, but I'm trying to speak for us as a whole and we all do have slightly different opinions some of us will for example that last episode some loved it some were like yeah it's good others didn't like that Nope, should be about this should be about that so so people have different opinions so i do try and keep it as as uh, as yeah unbiased as possible so i appreciate you picking up on that because yeah that is definitely something i've tried to do
0: yeah well i mean yeah. i it, i feel like it the your the space you've created is such an oasis especially in a lot of the current climate around Star Wars fandom and I don't mean to be negative about all of Star Wars fandom but there is a very aggressive um, space Street. now unfortunately and it's just nice to you know go to places like Fanthatrax where it's just like oh cool here's a great piece of news that's, that's news to me and I don't have to deal with you know a massive ego trying to tell me what to think about it it's just here it is and then I get to consume it and I get to think about it for myself so I Uh, maybe that's just the difference of the fact that you're from the uk i mean american journalism has become quite disgusting in the last 30 years um so i don't know maybe maybe the uk is just uh a little more unbiased in the way it reports facts um but uh we're
2: just just the same as everywhere else we've 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 got all that horrible stuff here as well i just i just think with star wars it's because it's so many people's safe place if you like it's 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 a great place to escape to if you want to just put the, the worries of the world behind you for a few hours or or just switch off and watch something fun. Uh, you know, Star Wars is the place to do it. And for me, I think it, it's very much from the from, from your gut. My enjoyment of Star Wars, you know, I got more cardio watching that episode of Boba Fett the other day than I than <laughs> have in a long time. I've never been up and out of my seat as often as I was watching that. Um, it's, you know, it's just one of those, it's one of those things, isn't it? it, it you feel it from the, from the, you know the, the bottom of your boots sometimes with Star Wars, and I think there's there is a tendency to overanalyze it sometimes. And we all can. I mean, we I know we go way out into the weeds on making tracks sometimes, and I listen back to it, and do an edit, and I lose that. I'm talking nonsense here, you know. So sometimes you can really go off on on crazy tangents. But I think ultimately, Star Wars is is one of those. There's other franchises that do it, but none that, that really hit home. I think like Star Wars is that you really do feel it in your in your gut. When it when it nails it, it's it, because we're so close to it. It, it. You guys know this, you know. You wouldn't put all the hours you do into the podcast and other things if you didn't feel that. And that, and when that speaks for all the many podcasts you've mentioned, all the websites and social media feeds and videos and everything else that people do. If you didn't care so much, you, we wouldn't put this amount of effort and time into it. So I think Star Wars really just grabs you in a way that other franchises do in in moments, in in little moments. You look at some of the cameos that turned up in Book of Boba Fett that literally had you, well, what? You know, <laughs> out you see, not many franchises can do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, Cameo and Fixer <laughs> mm-hmm. showing up at a, in uh, Tashi Station? So. <laughs> exactly. I
2: mean, two characters from a cutscene in a 44 year old film shouldn't have you jumping up at the screen, pointing at it the way those two guys did. But Star <laughs> oh, Wars, well, isn't it? You know, um, you know, I remember when they turned up on Behind the Magic. When was that? And that was 24 years ago. You know, and that was that was a big deal. i and personally speaking personally, because I've written for The Insider for, what, 16 years now. Uh, I, I was so, I'm, I'm doing the, the little thumb and forefinger thing here. I was that close to landing an interview with Ku Stark about 15 years ago and was literally chasing her from address to address, but never quite managed to catch up to where she was living at the time, and it never quite happened. And then, you know, Cammy turns up in Booker Boba and I'm thinking, well, I might not get Ku Stark, but maybe I'll get this lady at some point. So I've got, I've got another white <laughs> whale to chase now, but that's all part <laughs> of the fun, isn't it?
1: <laughs> oh, so How did you get involved with writing for Insider? Like, uh, How did that come about?
2: i got very lucky when i was doing lightsaber in about 2005 i and this 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 is like the ancient Wild west of websites now on phantom tracks if we wanted to change the whole layout of the site the, the the font the colors the everything we could probably in all honesty do it in a day not even that not even definitely not even that with lightsaber back then you literally had to do it page by page so I basically took the site down for about six months and physically changed the look of every single page with 2,500 pages, even back then, to yeah. change it hand by hand by hand. Relaunched the same day Wikipedia launched, week, weirdly enough, in March of, um, of uh, 2005. And uh, I was doing interviews by then. So I interviewed, I think, Kevin J. Anderson was my first interview back in 2000. I interviewed Dave Prowse and a few other people, got some good interviews. And... Somehow, and I can't remember how I managed to make this work, I interviewed um, Frank Parisi, who was then the editor of The Insider, and there was a little bit of correspondence going backwards and forwards, and he was a nice guy, and and I just said, uh, if ever there's the opportunity to write for Insider, because to me, The Insider is, it's Bantha Tracks. You know, you had Bantha Tracks, you had the Lucasfilm magazine, there's a bit of a break, then the Star Wars magazine, then The Insider. So there's a lineage between Bantha Tracks and, and Star Wars Insider, and it's no... It's no coincidence that the site I'm reading now is called Bantha Tracks because it's basically a love letter to, to Bantha Tracks. So um, I said to Frank, if there's ever the chance to do anything, I'd love to be involved. And he said, well, just throw some ideas. So I went to an event in Birmingham near me, where I live in the middle of the UK. Uh, it was a Hasbro event called the R2s, which was basically fan films made with with Hasbro figures. And I covered that for insider and they put it was only like a half page thing in issue 90 but that was it Then that was what i was done for life i didn't need to do anything else after that I, I i was in the official magazine and i was absolutely thrilled to bits and didn't do anything else again for about oh three or four years and in that time um titan had taken over the license and i'd managed to get to know jonathan wilkins who's the i think he is still the longest serving editor the insiders had uh and we became friends And again, um, just pitched a couple of ideas. I managed to get a a few little bits in. Uh, Issue, what was it now? 119, I think it was the Empire 30th issue. And I'd interviewed lots of Empire-related people on lightsaber, including Irving Kirshner, very fortunately. So I was able to use little bits of my interviews in this larger piece about Empire for the Insider. And I think what sealed it was, I think, if I remember... Jonathan got in touch about five o'clock on a Friday night or something crazy like that and said, you've interviewed this guy, you've interviewed this guy. We haven't got Alan Harris. Do you think you could get Alan Harris? I said, I'm sure I can get Alan Harris. How soon do you need? He went, can you get it done by seven o'clock? <laughs> what, when? Today? Yeah. And I'm sure, I don't know whether it was a test or a bet. I don't know what it was, but I, uh, long story short, I, I did have Alan's contact details, phoned him up. It was such a rush. I didn't have time to, to record the interview and annotate it. I literally wrote it as Alan was saying it in, in like a scribbly shorthand, okay. managed to write up a couple of paragraphs, which is all that John needed, uh, and sent it to him. And I got it to him before seven o'clock. And I think it was a bit like, you know, the whole Mafia thing when you're a made man. I kind of feel like that was my moment. Of it wasn't the Joe <laughs> Pesci being taken into a side room and shot in the head or anything. It was that sort of quiet moment of oh wow he's come through for us on this one. And so yeah, luckily uh, it just it just sort of blossomed from there. And thankfully, uh, where are we now? Twelve twelve years on from that sort of twelve years later, I'm still doing it. So I got very lucky.
1: I, I'm assuming by now they're giving you uh, a bit longer to get those deadlines in than than two hours. And, and then- a
2: little bit. A little bit. But I think, I think Chris knows that if he asked me, I'd do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, in in all the years of, of doing projects like that, getting to do interviews and write up these pieces, is there any one in particular that, like, really stands out to you that was just like, wow, I can't believe I got to interview so-and-so?
2: Um, I, I've been very lucky. I'm really lucky with, with the people I've interviewed. Uh, and there's some really memorable ones. One of the nicest ones, weirdly. I mean, I spoke to her recently, Caroline Blakiston. Um, she sent me a handwritten answers. I used to do, there's two, There were segments in the inside. There was My my Star Wars and Red 5, and I kind of took over both of those. When Bonnie Burton moved on, I took over My Star Wars and Red 5 was done mostly in-house, and I did those both of those for quite a few years. And Caroline did a, a My Star Wars, which was very sort of not always the same questions but fairly well set questions and sent them to her agent i got a beautiful handwritten replies that was very memorable um rick mccullum was hilarious because he swore like a trooper but he really just went off on a really interesting tangent about digital cinema and and just the future of that and that that was that was about 15 years ago so that was really interesting um but i think oh and anthony daniels got, got invited to his house which was incredible to sit in his living room with his wife serving cups of tea whilst we were doing an interview for Insider. That was that was very special. Um, and uh, and he remembers me when I see him at conventions, which is nice because, you know, he doesn't always remember people consecutively. Um, but I, I've got to say that the one that really sticks with me is the Kirshner one because Empire is my favourite film. And um, to have interviewed the director was really something else. So I think it's going to have to be something very special to top that. But, yeah, I would say Kirsch is the one.
0: And where, like, did you get to interview him in person? Was it something over the phone? It was over the
2: phone, and it was the weirdest thing because I'd interviewed um, McCullum, and we just had a bit of a chat at the end. So, so just to say that McCullum interview was hilarious because this is before you could, I didn't have Skype, so it was literally a phone call, um, and I, similar to what I'm doing now, I've got it on, basically on speakerphone, so I, I, I've got my little dictaphone, proper tape reel dictaphone next to the, to the phone recording the interview and we, we talk and then all of a sudden the line cuts out so I have to phone back to the states and Tracy Kenobi answers the phone and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm really embarrassed there must have been gremlins on the line the signal must have gone down the truth was my phone ran out of juice my hands-free <laughs> phone ran out of ju- I'm not going to tell her that so I phoned her on the other phone and she puts me back on and we speak for another 10-15 minutes and then at the end we just it was very polite and chit-chatty about just life, the universe, and everything. Um, and I, I can't even—I th- have to listen back. I've got the audio somewhere, but I can't think how it came up. But I just said, "Oh, I'd love to interview Kirsten. That—that's—you know—that would be amazing because Empire, obviously, you know, that would be fantastic." And Rick says, "Oh, we can sort that out. We can make that happen." And <laughs> I thought nothing—I thought was being polite, uh, but he wasn't. It, it happened. It, it was organized, and it happened. And uh, yes, yeah, so it was—it was over the phone and just phoned Kirsten's. Home number, which uh, was crazy, um and just a lovely half hour conversation. And he was real, uh, really sweet because I, I thought, right, I did my research and looked at the other films he'd made. Obviously, you know, RoboCop Two and Never Send Never Again and Eyes of Laura Mars, and just went through all the little bits and bobs that he'd done. um And he, but he knew that I was a Star Wars site, you know, that Lightsaber was a Star Wars site. And every time I tried to draw it a little bit, well, yeah, of course, when he worked on RoboCop Two. He kept dragging it back to Empire, and after two or three t- attempts at trying to be the nice, polite, respectful, let's talk about your career guy, when he, he clearly knew I only really wanted to talk about Empire, we just talked about Empire. So it was he was very sweet. It was very cool.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, well, it's something I'm curious about with you know this long history of being able to to make connections like this and 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 have conversations with so many incredible people in the world of Star Wars. Have you ever been to Skywalker Ranch? Yeah,
2: I was hugely fortunate. Hugely fortunate. Twenty thirteen, I think. It was um I I've not been for a couple of years, and obviously with COVID and such, it's not even been not even been on for I think I think I went to five Rancho Everyone Galas in a row, so I was very fortunate from twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen uh, getting over there. But the very first time I went, um I I'd interviewed David Accord uh from skywalker sound and just sort of said is there any is you know if i'm over i'm coming from the uk i might only i might never come again i don't know but is there any potential to to visit the ranch um and he was very sort of he didn't say no he didn't say yes but in my mind he didn't say no so oh there's a Mm -hmm. there's a potential chance there's a possibility and then just circumstances sort of swirled around that meant oh it was possible and basically, when you visit any of these kind of places, like if you go to the Presidio, you essentially need somebody to be your host. Um, and David was wonderful in that he was our host, myself and James from Jedi News, and, and took us around the ranch and gave us a tour, and we ended up having lunch there, and it was incredible. And, but I've, I've told this story before, but one person I'm, I won't be able to thank enough for giving me this advice was Paul Bateman. who's uh, was a really good pal of mine uh he's he'd been a number of times in the past and he said well when you get there because you might never go again and it's nearly 10 years ago and i've never been since so that mm. that might be the one and only time uh he said when you get there when you get out the car or when you walk up to the door the the big house whatever so just take a second and take a deep breath and just take it all in. Do a 360 because it's a beautiful location you know it's in all the hills you've seen the pictures it's in all the hills it's a lovely building and you know the history of the place." just take a nice deep breath and just take it in. And it really was one of those moments where you felt like you'd hit the pause button and everything had stopped and you were just able to, you know, have a little look around. Uh, And I'll, I'll, I'll never be able to thank him enough for that. It was one of my, obviously one of those sort of top, top moments. uh, And it was fantastic. The only downside was that (laughs) David uh, took a photograph of me and James and it's the worst photograph in the history of photographs he took it like he took it from the floor looking up and i'm i'm hefty of chin so i I look ridiculous it's just the most horrible photograph ever i don't i don't think i've even still got it i'm kind of glad that that, if they if that picture pops up at my eulogy i'll be heartbroken
1: (laughs) is it
0: you in front of the ranch though yeah, okay. the building looks amazing. Yeah, it's just me
2: and James look terrible. So scratched out from the record books.
0: <laughs> wow, uh, what like what beautiful advice from from uh, Paul Bateman though to just yeah. invite you to take the moment to to breathe it in. Then neither neither Jason nor I have have ever had the luxury of of visiting Skywalker Ranch, and I don't think we'll ever get that luxury. Unfortunately. Um, but we did we did a uh, trip to California a couple years back to do kind of a Star Wars pilgrimage. So, of course, we did Presidio um, and then we drove up and we drove down Lucas Valley Road. So we, we drove by the entrance. So we got to see the gate. But of course, you can't see the house from, you know, without driving in. Um, yeah. But still just being in that space. And I remember Jason and I were we were driving, you know, through the hills. We just pulled off the side of the street at one point and we even though we couldn't see skywalker ranch we knew it was just there and it was yeah. just like this magical experience and uh, yeah. i i for one definitely just felt like this creative force just overtake me and, and just it's like yes i love star wars so much and we're in the space where so much of it was birthed from i mean really all of star wars came from that space except the except a new hope really um i guess i guess kind of empire but um but yeah, I mean, it was just such a wonderful, magical moment. I, I, I just can't imagine what it must have been like to step out of the car and be right in front of the main house.
2: Yeah, Sur- surreal. It's the intangibles, I think, with Star Wars, isn't it? You know, the way you describe that is so true. I'm very fortunate to have been there and seen it. And it's a moment, a Star Wars moment I won't forget, obviously. But but I think, and I don't want to downplay it, but I think even if, even if it had been the same experience as yourself, I think... Just being in that region, just knowing it's there. I totally get what you mean. It, it's, it's, some, it, it's hard to describe as well, so you, were, you said it really well because I try and explain it to people who, who aren't necessarily Star Wars fans. And so much, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about how you feel it in your gut. There's so many things about Star Wars that your brain can put the little bits together and, and sort of bring out a feeling, and you don't quite know why which is why it's so hard it's like the Beatles thing you know you know McCartney saying well if I knew how to write a Beatles song I couldn't write a Beatles song you know and Spielberg said the same sort of thing about making films if I knew how it works I couldn't do it again because the magic's gone Mm. it's not a technical operation it's it's a gut feeling and I think Star Wars is like that in a lot of instances so what you just said is so true you know you, you know it's there and you know, it's not like you're going to go up, you don't need to go up and touch anything. Goodness knows when you're walking around that place, you don't touch anything. Um, <laughs> you know, you just, just soak it all up and take it all in. And, and it's, it's a fascinating building and it's a fascinating place, but, but it doesn't, and it's wonderful to have done, but it doesn't make you any more or less of a, of a fan once you've done it. it. I think maybe you appreciate the location that a lot of creativity came from. It's certainly an honour to have been there, but, you know, you, you, can, uh, you can absorb and enjoy uh, and appreciate Star Wars from your bedroom, let alone traveling halfway around the world as I did. So it, it was special, but it's not essential. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean about that. It's it's a gut feeling, I think, a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so – oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jason. I mean, I, I don't know. I was going to ask if you had any more specific questions about uh, – you know the new stuff because otherwise we've got some fun stuff that we always like to ask our guests once they're on the show. Uh, you have anything else, Carl? that you want to?
0: No, 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 no. I mean, I just it's it's just been an incredibly long <laughs> career you've had, Mark, of, of providing Star Wars news for folks. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think you're just your story as a a fan who decided on your own time again to just create things and the amount of doors that it opened for you. Um, I think that's something that's so wonderful about being a star Wars creator. And I think all of us, have ex- all of us who've, you know, whether we have a podcast or a website or a social media presence, um, I think the folks that really put a lot into it also get something out of it. Um, you know, and, and I, it's just so neat that like you have found so many, rewards for the hard work you've put into Star Wars. Um, And I'm not saying that any of us are owed that um, or anything like that. And of course, things were much different, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when you were doing some of these things. Um, But yeah, I mean, just, I I don't know. I feel like as, you know, as as we put more and more of ourselves into just putting love out there for Star Wars, uh, I think Star Wars continually surprises us. Um, with the ability of doing that.
2: Yeah, and something you just said is very true, that nobody's owed anything. I I certainly don't feel like I'm owed anything. And and I I think maybe it's just the way people are wired. It's certainly how I'm wired. I'd like to think I've never rested on my laurels, so I I never assume I'm going to get an invite to this or I never assume that I'll get first dibs at that. Uh, I, I, I think I'm always trying to not prove myself, because that's too needy but you know make (laughs) sure that i'm relevant make sure that i'm on top of things and which i enjoy it's not a chore uh some days it's a chore some days you don't want to get out of bed to go to your favorite job or or you know some days you can go on holiday and just spend the day lounging around by the pool and doing nothing you know so it's it's days when you just don't want to do anything but but um I, i never assume because there's always this new content creators coming along who are way more advanced at certain things than i'll ever be and have different opinions. And that's something I'm very conscious of is that when I first started, and I say, I wasn't exactly a kid, you know, writing fanfic, I was a kid, my first website in what, 95, I was 24. So I wasn't a kid then, you know, but, but in terms of the technology, in terms of the changing world with the internet, becoming more a part of it, I guess I was, you know, but it's half my life ago, literally. So, so, you know, it's a different world, but I'm, I'm very conscious now that I'm—I am a I guest part of the old guard. I don't feel it. Star Wars still feels as fresh as anything to me. It's never felt old, um, which I think is part of its magic. It doesn't feel like yes, yeah, Star Wars came out what forty? Where are we now? Forty-five years ago in May—that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not that old. It's as relevant now as it's ever been. But but it is—it is that old. Um, But, uh, you know, there's new people coming in who came in on the prequel trilogy or came in on the special editions, that's 25 years ago, last week, you know, or came in on the, you know, got to a certain age and got interested in films and maybe the sequel trilogy was their thing and now they're on social media talking about it. So so my point of view, it's been really brought into sharp relief with The Book of Boba Fett because I think older fans have an opinion of Fett that's very different to newer fans, which is completely understandable because newer fans wouldn't have watched not that i did until the, the the late 80s i don't think i saw the holiday special but you know that character coming in then then coming in empire then hitting the marvel comics then the 90s where fett and mara jade were the two biggest things ever in star wars which sounds ridiculous now but they were you know and, and certain things that have just changed and perceptions have changed as years have gone on um i'm conscious that i have an opinion that needs to evolve constantly. And I'm always going to love certain things. And Empire, I think, I'll be amazed if I didn't go to my grave thinking Empire was the greatest movie ever made, or certainly the greatest Star Wars movie ever made. Um, but that being said, if something comes along like this week's episode of Book of Bob Affair, which completely blew me away, you know, if something comes along that I just go, I, I adore this, this is the coolest thing ever, you know, I'm happy to change and, and roll with these new things. So I think you've got to be open to, to whatever's coming in. And also, as the older you get, remember that Star Wars is made for kids. George was making this. for he, Back in the day, he said, this is for 11-year-old boys. I don't think he'd say that now. He'd say it's for 11-year-old kids. So he's pitching it at a certain age group. Um, and I'm 50. So, you know, the fact that I still love Star Wars is a huge bonus. The fact that I've still loved Star Wars for the last 40 years has been a bonus because I was kind of too old for it then if you think about it. So anything you get out of Star Wars is gravy. So I'm very grateful for being for all of it.
1: What a, a,
0: yeah. What a like wise (laughs) takeaway of all that, of, of, of allowing your fandom to be so uh, dynamic rather than static, right. Rather than just being like, well, this was the Star Wars I loved 40 years ago when I fell in love with it. And it's the same Star Wars I want today. And, uh, I don't know, just that we've talked about this a lot in the last, in the last few months on the show and, and side, side conversations about how important it is. You know, I, I continually harp on, and I think one of the most important lessons Yoda teaches modern fandom is you must unlearn what you have learned, right? Like learn that this is a dynamic story that's constant, constantly building on itself. Um, and I think, the things that we've, you know, we fell in love with in the early days of Star Wars. Even if things come out that kind of contradict those stories, those stories aren't gone, right? We can still love and cherish the stories from Legends, um, and 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 prefer them to the newer canonized versions of things. Um, but you know, I mean, I. It's just really nice to hear an older fan like yourself, and I don't, I'm not calling you an old, old person, but you're, you're an older fan than, than both of us, um, probably a lot of our listeners, and it's just, it's just such a breath of fresh air that, 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 that the fact that you accept that Star Wars is – it's a constantly evolving story and um, kind of that willingness to – like you said, just the fact that you're still able to get something exciting out of it all these years later is gravy um so i just i love that
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're we're very lucky like you say it's it's exactly what you just said it is a dynamic a dynamic ongoing story more more so now than ever really um i think i think the the current era especially now we're getting television and and animation is really getting strong again and we've got films coming back again in a couple of years and we've got the two galaxies edge you know east and west and you know, all the other things that are coming, the hotel opens next month and just things that 10 years ago you couldn't have imagined. You, would, you wouldn't believe the amount of content we've got in the last 10 years if you just said that to me in October 2012 when Disney had just bought Lucasfilm and said, well, in the next 10 years, you're going to get this. I'd have been, no way, no chance. <laughs> and yet here we are now looking back at it. And Force Awakens already is, what, seven years ago nearly? Yeah, Ridiculous. Yeah. That's insane now. If you think when Star Wars came out, we're now in 1984 if that makes any sense, you know, it's, we've had the original trilogy and now Temple of just come out and the Ewok adventure is going to be on telly soon. And that's where we are in relation to that trilogy. It's just, it's just incredible how much we've got.
1: Wow. What a, yeah. Wow. What a, what a perspective on that. Um, that is, there, there's been a glut of content that has come out and it's been amazing to watch it just explode and develop, um, uh, you know i don't necessarily you know not all of it's my favorite but it's great that there's just new stuff that's coming out all the time it seems like i can't turn a- around and not see uh you know something new star wars happening whether it's a comic or you know we- we're just finishing up wave 3 of the first phase of the high republic which uh you know has been a fantastic journey to, you know, so far that I've enjoyed for the most part. Um, you know, and Book of Boba Fett it, or Mandalorian Season 2.5, whatever we want to call it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, and I guess, did I see something that this morning that Obi Wan is supposed to be officially announced out in May this year, which I think most of us suspected, anyways? Um
2: I'll be I'll be amazed if it wasn't in my I, I I half expect and we did talk about this I think on the podcast I certainly put put it on a, a post on the site if I, last year when season two of Mando finished and they put the little tease of a book of Boba Fett which apparently Lucasfilm did without telling Disney I don't know how true that is I kind of <laughs> hope it's true I really hope that's true because that's ballsy I, I think I really would like to think that's true it was something I read no no definite proof on that but I think that would be really cool if it was but nevertheless. Um, I've just got a feeling, like at the end of Far From Home, they put the Doctor Strange trailer. I've just got a feeling that we're going to get something from Kenobi at the end of, even though it's got it's years before Booker Bobber, it's what, 15 years before or whatever it is. Nevertheless, I've just got a feeling that we're going to see something. We might not, but just my gut tells me that something is going to crop up at the end of uh, of next week's episode. But, yeah, what, what, a, what a crazy time to be a Star Wars fan. You just mentioned the High Republic. We hadn't even talked about that. I mean, that's been... That's been great fun. I interviewed DJ Older last night and had a great, interesting chat about that and other Star Wars stuff that he's done. And you can hear the excitement and energy in him as a creator, you know, a, a fiction creator and such. And it does seem to be, and then, like you say, there's so much negativity and it's so draining and so boring. You know, it's, if you want to moan about it, you know, I mean, I get, I get, I've said this before. I get that people can be rigid and fixed in their opinions and views. And if you've got no interest in it, you wouldn't even moan about it. You'd just move on to something else. So it is kind of twistedly coming from a place of, of affection. But by the same token, why not just turn that energy into something good? You know, do something positive, write something or do an article on something or just create something. It just feels sometimes like the, the negativity is monetized in certain arenas. and And that's so oh so draining and boring and i I just switch off to that now um and sometimes there's opinions that are perfectly valid that yeah i get where you're coming from but it's just the way that it's put across so i do i do sort of um i miss yeah i guess you know mid 2000s was a great fun time after after sith came out before the clone wars star wars had the blogs they were huge fun back in the day where you could throw a thought idea out there and somebody would come along and answer it and go oh well you're incorrect, it's actually, the oh, okay. You know, and people would have a proper, friendly discourse, but as you say now, it's quite intense. Um, But uh, nevertheless, if there wasn't all this content, the 1% that's moaning, or however many percent it is, the other 99% that are absolutely loving it, getting kids into it, old fans coming back into it, keeping people like me happy, you know, it's a
1: win-win, really. Fantastic! Yeah, you're
0: you're so right right about that. You know, um, yeah, there's the you know the amount of disdain from certain corners of fandom about like Disney Star Wars, right? Like, oh, Disney is screwing it all up. They're you know this that or the other thing. You know, check the box of what they want to complain about. But you think about you know what star, where Star Wars was in 2012. Um, before George sold it to Disney. You know, I mean, you had the Clone Wars, but that was really it. I mean, Star Wars, as far as being like a pop culture phenomena, was pretty dormant. Um, so, you know, when George purposely chose Disney, um, you know, and Kathy Kennedy to run Lucasfilm, all decisions he made, even though some knuckleheads can't seem to understand that, um, you know he was setting it up for a future. he wanted it to be something that lived far beyond him, and he chose where he thought was the best space to do that now, I have not loved everything that's come from Disney Star Wars, but I have loved the fact that Star Wars is so alive in a way that it wasn't you know ten years ago um, and it's It's really exciting, like you said, Mark, the amount of people that it's brought into fandom uh, you know a whole new there's a whole new dynamic to to the the fan community um and it's it's been really wonderful um yeah a quick question i had for you actually about this um and again like just calling on your wisdom of all the years of being a a, 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 involved in this world i'm curious what it's been like what was it like 25 years ago 30 years ago, building a fan community as opposed to now, right? Again, we have the advantage of social media and everybody's got, almost everybody's got a cell phone in their pocket, right? It's so easy to communicate and build a sense of star Wars community. How does that compare to maybe those, those early days, um, you know, in so far as building that sense of community.
2: So different. It's almost not even worth comparing. Really. I think, because I was a real Luddite when it came to technology, and still am for the most part. Um, I think social media has helped, certainly, uh, with, with the internet just becoming a part of daily life now. It, it's become much easier to, to contact people, interact with people. You and me wouldn't have had this conversation 20 years ago, let's say, because the, the, the access we've got to each other would be completely different, totally different, you know. And then the ways, the means of recording it, and the means of capturing the conversations, and then broadcasting it out to the world would be just so hard and difficult. It it wouldn't be an immediate thing, certainly. So it would have been very difficult. And certainly when I started Lightsaber, me and Louis back in '99, or rebranded to Lightsaber in '99, that felt like a huge leap from what we'd done before, and it felt like a few hundred people were looking at the site every day uh and in that 10 years of running that running that site we got to the end of lightsaber before uh, you know we moved on uh i moved on to other things and we were getting like a million hits a year so you know the the site grew incredibly in that in that time span which was crazy but even then even up to 2009 you, you just got twitter and you just got facebook and uh, I remember setting up a, a, a lightsaber Facebook group and by then I was interacting more with people but but 20 plus years ago it was trying to find people's email addresses and, and that was the main method of communication and there were chat rooms and there were chat groups and, and places you could go. I never went to a huge amount of those so it's weird in that it feels like the first 10 years of really doing regular stuff online was apart from my immediate group it was a bit like it was a bit like you know i've I've said this before when you were a kid the playground literally at school break playground was the internet because they were the only people that you could really talk to, to talk to about star wars they might as well have been the whole universe because you weren't talking to anybody beyond them and now you're on the internet and i could put out some outlandish tweet this evening with a thought and opinion about star wars and be cancelled by the morning so you know the whole world could read it uh, it's just so different it's it's crazy the difference between now and then and i sometimes wished that i'd been able i mean i didn't know what was out there because again the internet then and the internet now are so different it was the wild wild west then there wasn't a google search engines weren't what they are now you had to really know where to go and it feels like physical magazines were still the way of sort of pointing you in the right direction. Uh, very much more of an American thing as well back then than it was a UK thing. So I was very much an outlier in the earlier days. Um, and, and again, like I say, you know, joining Jedi News was a great thing for the UK. Jedi News was the big site uh, and the profile was there. And I was doing stuff on BBC Radio and we were getting doing bits on television and such. And that's just, sort of just built along over the years to when I launched fantatrax Tracks with Matt and Brian. Uh, it, we, it was a platform to push on and, and make it bigger and make it better and hopefully more refined and and just keep uh, making it, uh, you know, a better project, if you like. But yeah, it was so different back then. It really was different.
1: Well, I, I can't imagine the the whiplash you must feel sometimes. You know, looking back uh, at at how things have changed over you know, over the way you've communicated over the years, like with with fandom and stuff. That's that's insane to think about.
2: Yeah, you don't notice it as it's changing. That's the thing. It's like anything. You look back and go, "Wow, how did we? How did we do things back? How did we do it five years ago? How did we do it ten years ago?" You look at what's at hand now, and it seems so easy, but. Uh, and as I say, you have to be a lot more cautious now in what you say. You can still get your opinions out there. Nobody has to think the same thing. Um, but sometimes, you know, it, it's the way you put it out there, the way that you express yourself is the big key, I think. Um, but, but that's the world. The world has changed. It's not just Star Wars fandom. It's, it's the world has changed. But, um, and that's not a bad thing either. Um, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't hurt to think about what you're saying before you say it sort of thing. But um, in terms of Star Wars, yeah, it's it's a vastly different world now.
0: Well, Mark, we it's funny we had these we had these questions we were going to ask you if if we didn't have anything to talk about, but uh, that has <laughs> not been the case, which I love. Um, so something I want to ask you, um, kind of, as we start to to wrap things up. I'm curious what sort of star Wars stories did you love early in your fandom? What were the kinds of star Wars stories that lit you up and what are the star Wars stories today that continue to do that for you?
2: Um, I'm a Han Solo guy. So anything, anything Han, Chewie, Falcon, smuggling underworld, that's always been the stuff that really grabbed me. I'll just love the, the pace of it and the action and the adventure. So Star Wars Weekly. We got Star Wars Weekly here in the UK. Obviously, you guys have the monthlies, but um, and we we've gone through periods of having monthlies and weeklies and such. But now it's monthlies. Um, back then, just getting those comics and and just chewing through it in no time at all, and knowing now I'll read a comic and we'll appreciate the hell out of it. But I know I'll probably only ever read a comic once, maybe twice, review it on the site, and, and that's in a black bag, boarded and gone forever probably never touch it again but back then when i used to get my star wars weekly i knew from wednesday to wednesday that thing would get read 20 times so so anything that's evocative of that sort of period is very attractive to me but also the variety i like it when they do something that's a bit different and looks at star wars from a different angle so i'm looking forward to this halcyon legacy comic because again that's that's something a little bit different Whole Republic's interesting. It's it's familiar ground. It's, you know, Jedi, and, and obviously, you know, it's got that prequel vibe about it. But but again, it's two centuries before, and Phase 2 goes 150 years before that. So I'm really interested in seeing how they play that because it is a different tone, even though it's the same sort of building blocks. It's, just, it's a different tone. But I think I'm always going to come back to, for me, in terms of the Star, Star Wars novels and such, um, it's that original Brian Daly Han Solo trilogy. I just love the the freeness that those characters had to just travel around the galaxy, doing a bit of work here, doing a bit of work there, getting into trouble, moving on. You know, the Lando <laughs> books did it similar, but not quite the same. The daily books were just so brilliantly written uh, and so evocative. And I feel like there's a lot of the DNA of those books seeped into other things. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where my heart lies. Uh, even today, you know, stories that sort of touch on that even today.
0: Yeah. Kind of that, that adventure of the week feel, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've, I've still never read the Lando books that Brian Daly wrote. Um, but I've read the Han Solo trilogy he wrote a few times. Um, and they still, still to this day, hold up well, like they are just fun adventure books. Um, and the fact that they all came out before empire even was in theaters, I mean, Brian Daly yeah. really seems to understand the character of Han Solo. And um, something we've talked about on on end for the years we've been doing the podcast is our Jason and my mutual love for the the radio dramas, which, of course, Brian Daly wrote. Um, I mean, the, the yes. A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back radio dramas are probably two of my m- most beloved projects in Star Wars, like be it books, movies, anything like I would rank the A New Hope and Empire radio dramas towards like my, you know, easily within my top ten things from all of Star Wars. Um the only reason I leave Return of the Jedi out is not to slam it, but just Empire and a New Hope were so good. And Return of the Jedi was fine, but it just didn't didn't quite capture the same thing. But it came out a bit later and it was also being written by when sadly Brian Daly was dying. Um so but uh yeah, I mean I that's so cool that, you know, that 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 adventure of the week type thing is is your Star Wars flavor. Um, And it seems like Book of Boba Fett is kind of doing that, right? Obviously, there are folks, and I'm guilty of making this complaint too, of like, I thought this was the Book of Boba Fett. Why is it Mandalorian? Um, But it it really has that feel of like the adventure of the week, the story of the week. Um, Clone Wars, the animated Clone Wars series, really had that feel. Like it had that very serial type feel. Uh, do, Do you agree with that? Like, Do you feel like that's part of what you love about those particular projects?
2: Yeah, because, I mean, when Lucas was sort of pitching to do, you know, the next thing after American Graffiti, he wanted to do Flash Gordon and couldn't. You know, King Features wouldn't let him have the rights. So, oh, okay, I'll go and write my own Flash Gordon, essentially, and I'll magpie bits from here, there, and everywhere, which, of course, he did uh, and made his own thing out of it, still from the best, as you do. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was – yeah, that Flash Gordon thing was loved by Lucas for a reason, and and he, he sort of transferred the vibe and the feel of that weekly cliffhanger Republic serial thing, which, of course, Clone Wars did really well. Uh, you know, he takes a bit of that. He was a petrol head, so he takes his love of speed and puts that into as many things as he could. And, of course, technology was his friend in that respect. He couldn't do the pod race back in the 80s. He could do it in the 90s. So, you know, there's all these things. That's why, he, you know, we think he would have loved some of the last couple of episodes of Book and Boba Fett, because... You know, the, the pace of that N1 fighter and just the feel of it, you know, was just to- totally Lucas, just totally Lucas. So, yeah, I think you're right. I, I do like that. It, it's a huge galaxy. This, this is what frustrates me sometimes, is there is there is a sense sometimes that there's only 100 people in the galaxy that have ever left their own planet and they all know each other.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's kind of from a story point of view. but And, and it would be boring if Han never met Lando again or... Boba Fett never encountered Luke again or whatever it may be. That's not going to work. You've got to contrive reasons why they bump into each other. But, but by the same token, yes, I mean, I've said this before. I think if there's, you know, if there's 100% of the galaxy, I would say 98% have never left the home planet. And it's only 2% of people living in the Star Wars galaxy that ever travel to any significant degree. Most people live their lives, not like we do on Earth, Kind of similar they, they they do their own thing they 're living here they 've got all the technology that, that they 've got in anywhere else in the galaxy to let greater or lesser degrees but my my vibe is that most people pretty much stay where they are the The warriors and the soldiers and the jedi and the smugglers they 're the two percent that are getting out there and traveling and and you know flying around because it 's a massive galaxy, and you know you do the maths how many worlds are populated, how many worlds are you know busy how many worlds are fairly quiet like you know you look at tatooine is a fairly quiet planet Jaku's a fairly quiet planet most of these worlds have not got a huge amount going on but there's people living there just cracking on with their lives so in that logic with that logic and that's totally my headcanon which means it's probably completely wrong um i'm sure probably what Algo, will tell me it's way more than two percent or whatever it would be if, if anybody would ever think to do the maths not that they would why would you But, you know, uh, I think then you can kind of think, well, yeah, okay, yeah, Hansel is going to bump into this guy numerous times at certain spaceports. It's a massive galaxy. So, you know, I want to see stories where people are traveling around. And I like the sense of geography. I'm a bit of a map head. I love the the galaxy map. So I I love the sense of, you know, traveling from the corporate sector, sort of top right of the map, all the way down to Dagobah, which is like bottom left of the map, you know, and just traveling around and seeing things and, you know, experiencing the differences between the different section, sections of the galaxy, you know, the mid-rims a bit more sort of middle class, you know, the outer rims really rough and ready frontier land, which came across great in Book of Boba this week. Get to the interior and it's Coruscant and worlds like that that are busy and industrious. There's a sense of geography and I love that as well.
1: It's, you've mentioned the, the latest episode of Book of Boba Fett multiple times uh, today. How crazy is it that we get an animated character, a character who's created for the Clone Wars, uh, and all of a sudden he's walking live action down the you know the main thoroughfare of a little western town on Tatooine. How crazy is that?
2: I know I know this episode was just I mean getting a stoker last, last, you know, last season of Mando was a similar thing. you know <laughs> this amazing character out of animation turns up for real. And then now you get Cad Bane and, and just the way it was done. And the fact is, Corey Burton doing the voice again, which was really cool. You know, and just all the little elements that... I mean, there were so many... Th- I mean, I, I, I'm still raving about this episode. Now, So many things in last week's and this week's episodes. So they've, 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 they've actually done it. They've actually... They've, is that Ahsoka leaning by that tree? Is that Luke? I mean, the way they did the Luke effect this, this uh, episode... Not that the, the visuals for him in season two, of Amanda, weren't incredible and clearly more than enough to blow people's minds. They've f- f- finessed and progressed it to the point where he was just a character in the show. Now he, 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 you know, they might as well have just got Marty, but flies DeLorean and just gone back to 1989 and grabbed <laughs> Mark Hamill and said, "Right, you come with us for a day to film some stuff. We'll drop you back. Don't worry." Uh, and, and just done that because it was so well done, and it, it is. It's 90, I'd say it's ninety five percent there now. You know, it, it and then nothing will ever be one hundred percent. It can't be. Literally, nothing is one hundred percent. But the, the leap from last year to this to do what they did there is just like they can do. They, they, I feel confident they can do pretty much anything now. uh Just incredible. But yeah, campaign turning up just just we saw who I mean, good grief. We had who just so many cool things have turned up. It's been oh I can't get my head around this season. And and I get the, the can not concern, but I get the observation that this is the book of Boba Fett and it should be about Boba Fett. But like my co-host Mark said on making tracks, and he said it so well, it's Star Wars the book of Boba Fett. And what we saw last week was could it be more this is ch- I'm channeling channel of being there? Could it be any more Star Wars? <laughs> you know, it's the most Star Wars thing ever. You've just seen Luke training Grogu. With Ahsoka standing by watching, and a Mandalorian turns up in an N one Naboo fight. It's like so you can, it, you <laughs> wouldn't.
1: It's just I can't even speak. It's just so cool. It's ridiculous. You you put all of those things in the same. You know, you tell anybody five years ago, just just five years mm. ago, that all of these things are going to be in this in one episode of a Star Wars TV show, and they would look at you like you've gone crazy. Yeah. There's yeah. no way that's going to happen. It did, and it's absolutely brilliant, and it works, and I love it. Um, yeah. It, it's it's bonkers. It's absolutely yeah. bonkers. But... Yeah. Good word. word. Yeah. Ah! I'm freaking ama- amazed by it. But yeah, it, it's, it's funny, you know, in 1980, you had a little green gremlin in a swamp training Luke Skywalker. And now... In 2022, you've got Luke Skywalker training a little green gremlin yeah. in a forest. Yeah, um there's there's some sort of like weird rhyming poet poetry about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful
2: synergy. You're absolutely right, and 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 not that it matters because you know he sold the company and he's happily retired and he's he's a happy bunny and he's doing his own thing and God bless him. But I'd love to know what Lucas thinks of this. I really would genuinely love to know what he thought when, presuming he's seen it, I'm assuming he's seen it, you know, when he saw this, when he just sort of nods appreciatively and yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, that's my, that's my impression is that he would, you know, because there's so many touchstones in that episode and so many respectful nods. and And we all love, I mean, we all know when, fan service is being fan service and i think sometimes that phrase is over egged because sometimes it is just logical smart use of certain things and i think now star wars television not just the book of bob effect not just the mandalorian or going forward ahsoka or any of the others but we're in a galaxy now that's so big and been around for so long that it doesn't need this was a western this week's episode no get away from it it was a western and Mm -hmm. they've done the samurai episodes before in mando and you know they they Felone likes that, you know, he likes to sort of refer to certain things obliquely. But you kinda know, oh this is this is the Godzilla episode of the Clone Wars, isn't it? You know. But but I think Star Wars now has got so big that it can refer to itself without being too knowing and patting itself on the back. So that when Cat Bain turns up it's like him turning up is as big a deal as prime time Fett turning up, you know, pre sarlacc swallowed Fett turning up. And this is a very different Boba Fett. So it's just an interesting angle on all of these things. And the one thing that that I took away from this episode as much as anything else was when when Vance, Cobb Vanth and and Cad Bane are having the the face-off and that great little exchange between the two of them. And when it's, you know, it's Cad Bane who's just turned up in town, shot the deputy, and then does a Bob Marley on the sheriff and, and basically says, you know, Boba Fett's a lethal killer. He worked for the Empire. And this is coming from this guy. Who's, we've seen him in the Clone Wars. We've seen him in all the other shows. We've seen him in Bad Batch. you know. And he's saying that to Vance. So there's, there's reasons why characters are still... You know, Fett's legacy, even though we never saw all of that legacy, Darth Vader brought Boba Fett in and had him on the bridge of the Executor in Empire Strikes Back. It wasn't, it wasn't Django's reputation that brought him to Vader. It was Fett's reputation. Just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean he didn't earn it. And I think now that reputation is still sort of simmering. He's maybe not as well known as he used to be because it's weird how short memories there are in the Star Wars galaxy. People have completely forgot about Jedi and the force by the time of the force awakens. And that's only 30 years on. So, or, or maybe a little bit more than that, but you know, it's not that long ago. We, we, we remember things that happened in the 18th century, let alone 50 years ago, 50 years ago, the Beatles were releasing records for goodness sake. So, you know, Uh, it's, it's a weird galaxy, but yeah, uh, I'm rambling now. I I was so thrilled with that episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think as a, a collective force, I think most fandom was super thrilled. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly loved it. I, the, the scene between Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane, I think is one of the best scenes in star Wars, like period, not just, not just the book of Boba Fett, not just the TV shows. I, I, including the movies that showdown. I mean, it is such pure Western. Um, And the thing that I've noticed the most about both Mandalorian and now book of Boba Fett is how much they both have me just going back to read other star Wars stories that I, that I've loved um, just kind of by comparison. Um, So I'm actually just for the fun of it. I'm I'm rereading Kevin J. Anderson's Jedi Academy trilogy, but I'm just reading the, the Luke story. Like I'm not reading the full books. I'm just reading like, how did Luke start his Academy um, in the legends canon? You know, what was that like back in 1994 when these books came out? What was the story being told? And it's, I'm not doing it because it's like, Oh, I want to relive these glory days. It's just more of the sense of like, how did they do it then? And how is it different now? It's more of just a curiosity. Um, when Mandalorian chapter two came out, I I've never liked the Jawas as much as I did in that episode. So I went back to my old tales of Moss Isley book and read the, the tale of the Jawa just because I wanted another Jawa story. And, and that's something I'm, I'm loving that they do is, is there's just such a plethora and wealth of star Wars stories that have existed for all these years. And I think that these new stories are also shining light on them. And I think, uh, from my, my limited experiences of doing this in the last couple of years, most of those old legend stories, in my opinion, when you read them now, a lot of them don't hold up, again, in my opinion. So I really like that they're kind of nodding to the, these things that have happened, but they're telling them in more compelling ways. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I love where Star Wars is taking us.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, the, the 90s, especially the 90s, was – I think it's almost a friend of mine, Dave Tree, who used to be my co-host on Making Tracks, uh, runs an amazing vintage Star Wars Collectors uh, event called Farthest This From three times a year down on the South Coast. But he always refers to the 90s as like almost the forgotten decade of Star Wars. Uh, and it kind of is when you think, you know, Dark Horse really went nuts in the 90s and through to the 2000s with their content and Bantam and Del Rey with the books. And, you know, there was so much Star Wars content in the 90s pre well, pre-special editions and certainly pre-prequels, um, but it it was very it felt very 90s, if that makes sense. The the, the best source material was the West End Games source books, kind of feel. Um, and I'm not knocking West End Games; gonna love West End Games. I still play D6Weg now, but but you know you look at it now, and it's got a very very different tone to what we get today. And weirdly, I think Bounty Hunters, the, the Marvel comic, Ethan Sachs' Bounty Hunters, which is probably probably my favorite Star Wars title for its consistency, um, just has that 90s, you know, Sabretooth versus Wolverine feel about it. You know, like they're just going at it full bore because I just love the Bounty Hunters. They'll stab each other in the back in a heartbeat and then make deals with each other and then stab themselves in the back again. And then, um, you know, two issues later, they're teaming up. You know, and it's just like, well, that's just how they are, clearly. And I'm kind of feeling that in Book of Boba Fett. So, so there's all these things that do. It does, like you say, they, they all refer to each other to a degree in different ways. You know, sometimes it's almost like muscle memory. Sometimes it's quite overt. Um, but it's all Star Wars, like you say, you know, canon, legends, whatever. Those Han Solo books are still what happened to Han Solo to me. You know, just because they're not told in legends – oh, sorry, just because they're not been told in canon – doesn't mean a very close version didn't happen in in canon and we'll see it someday do you know what i mean it's it's all still part of the character to me so you love them all they're all all still there
0: yeah that's a great point uh well (laughs) mark this has been such a (laughs) a fun conversation and uh i even just want to point out how fun it has been to like so we are recording this on a weekend because we are spanning three time time zones right now, which is great. Again, just speaking to the, 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 like the breadth of where star Wars fandom can reach. um, I really appreciate you making the time (laughs) to come on the show and coordinate with two other time zones that are very different from your own. Um, But before we wrap up, Jason, is there any last, last questions you want to pose to Mark?
1: Um, man. I, I mean, we, we always like to ask, and I feel like we've got the answers to these questions um, through the conversation. But I just wanna just wanna make sure and clarify. Uh, we always like to ask guests on the show, "What's your favorite Star Wars movie, and who's your favorite Star Wars character?" Um, I think we got Empire a few times in there, and I'm guessing it's Han Solo. You go on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just briefly, uh, why are those your favorite? Uh, movie and why is Han your favorite character
2: um I I think anybody who saw Star Wars when it came out or, or or certainly if it was your first um sort of experience with Star Wars even if you saw it later on and you just happened to see them in the order that they came out I think it's so charming it's so sweet and it totally set the stall out for everything we've had since obviously it's the template in so many ways but I think Empire was such a And this is almost in retrospect, because I've I've told this story before, but when I saw Empire, my friend's dad was the manager of the cinema, uh, the Odeon uh, in Burton, not far from where I live. And we saw Empire, the first time I saw Empire on the big screen was as a double bill with Herbie Goes Bananas. And (laughs) I loved Herbie Goes Bananas. I enjoyed Empire Strikes Back, but I loved Turbo Goes Bananas. <laughs> That's the weird nine-year-old me, um, or ten-year-old me. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so, so Empire kind of really grabbed me by – I'd seen Jedi, and then Empire came out on video. So I had a, my friend had a pirate copy of Jedi before we had a pirate copy of Empire, because back then it was easier to get films pirated from cinemas than it was to get them pirated from other videos. So we saw Jedi numerous times on pirate video, like so many films we saw on pirate back then. And then Empire came out in 84 on VHS and Betamax. Uh, and so I was far more weirdly, far more familiar with, with Jedi than I was with Empire. Uh, and by, by the time Empire came out, I was sort of 13, 14. And it is a more mature film, and it's, it's still got some sweet sweetness about it. There's some charm about it, clearly. But I, it just hit better. It was just grittier. The visuals were better. The music's stunning. Just so many things about it. And I just think over the years, characters like Boba Fett, you know, the visuals, just how beautiful Bespin is, what an absolute dude Lando is, how gorgeous Carrie Fisher was as Leia. Just so many things about Empire just stuck with me. And I love Jedi. because It's probably the best trilogy ender of any trilogy Maybe yes. *Last Crusade* comes close, but *Jedi* is just an amazing finish finale. And if they'd never done any more, which for the longest time we didn't think they would, um, that would have been kind of fine. And I'm still confident we'd have still been talking about the Star Wars trilogy now, even all these years later. Not to the degree that we do, but we, we would have still been doing things around it. But nevertheless, um, it was just just never left me. And I love the prequels, and I enjoyed the sequels. And I love both of the Star Wars story films and I'm really digging the TV, really digging the TV but Empire is just really to me, it's just it's just on that other little step up from everything else. It's like Raiders. But, then I don't think they'll ever make an indie film that's going to touch Raiders. It's just just that one gear more than all the others and I think Empire is just that one gear more than than all the other Star Wars films. And Han Solo, it's Harrison Ford. He's just the coolest actor ever. Just Love the character. He's got the best ship. He's got the best girl. He's just he just rolls through life. He's got the best best buddy anybody could want. Who's got his back. Just so many things about Solo that were cool. He was a bit of a klutz. He he, he wrote checks that he you know that he couldn't really cash. There's just lots of things about Solo that feel kind of Luke was always the relatable one, and Han felt like the really cool one. But actually, when you look at it, Han's every bit as much of a goof as as people thought Luke was, and Luke was actually more sort of on a pathway than solo was. And I kind of like the fact that you got to the sequel trilogy and Han had kind of screwed it all up because that was kind of always on the cards, you know, and there's only so much Chewie could do to help. So, you know, and then he has his great redemption arc in the force awakens. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why it's, it's always going to be hand for me and it's always going to be empire. I think.
1: So solo, a star Wars story. Good solo. <laughs> oh, I love, I love that film.
2: And I so, I mean, honestly, and there's loads of rumours floating around about Han Solo turning up in the final episode of, of Booker of Boba Fett. If he does, if it, if it's a, if it's a you know, a CGI-enhanced Harrison Ford, like all these rumours say that it is great. But in all honesty, I want Alden Ehren right back as Han Solo because I want mm. to see him in a solo TV series. So, you know, yeah, great. You can do... you. They can do the Hamel thing with Luke because I think Luke's always going to be um, not incidental, that's not the right word, but an occasional character. But I want Han Solo back in that time period with, you know, with um, Eunice back as Chewie because I want to see what happened next. I want to see Han Solo's life up to the point where he loses the Falcon and has to get the Erivana and just figure out ne- the next step. And, you know, and recasting, I'm fine with recasting. It's great to do the visuals that they do. I love it. But I'm also conversely perfectly happy if they have to recast because I want to know what happened to the characters, you know, um, and that's really that's the that's the big thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Solo: the Star Wars story is amazing. That's the love John Powell's score. It gets played pretty much daily in this
1: house. (laughs) Uh, You are two very, very big solo and Alden Ehrenreich fans here. So, yes. We're, we're 100% on that, yeah. <laughs> on that bandwagon. With- <laughs> good, good. <laughs> yes, and
0: John Powell's score is, I think – I mean I, I, Jason and I did a, a series where we ranked the Star Wars soundtracks just from the movies a, a couple months ago and both of us yeah. had Solo in our top three. So, I mean yeah. mm-hmm. we love that score. It's such good music.
2: I don't I this- know if you would heard the story. It's the saddest story is that, that the score for Solo – that year won, I forget the correct name of it, it's like the World Music Soundtrack Awards or some, something of that type, and, and that score won. But because of some paperwork snafu somewhere down the line, they didn't submit Solo for the Oscars, and I'm now convinced that Solo would have won the Oscar for Best Score, which would have been amazing because that, that soundtrack is just so incredible. I absolutely love that score.
1: And the album is one of the best, just straight through album listening experiences that Star Wars has ever released, I, hands down. I, you know, I normally skip around to my favorite tracks when listening to Star Wars music, but yeah. if I put Solo on the, the the original release soundtrack, not the special, not the expanded edition, um, I just start at the beginning and let it run.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Both, both of them I I only play the deluxe one now, but, but yeah, totally agree. It's, it's a straight through all killer, no filler album, isn't it? Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Mark, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show and I'm, I'm glad we didn't wait another 10 years to get you on because this conversation was just (laughs) wonderful. It's such a delight to have you before we wrap up. Um, you know, Plug all your stuff. Where, where can folks keep up with your 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 you know your creation in the Star Wars world?
2: Um, most things that I do are on Fanthatracks. So that's fanthatracks.com. So that's Banthatracks with an S. S for fan. Um, and uh, on Twitter, it's prefect underscore timing. Prefect is in Ford Prefect because I'm a Hitchhiker fan. So prefect underscore timing. Uh, and the same on Instagram, although I'm rarely on Instagram. You'll usually find me on Twitter. And then, as I say, I'll write for Starburst magazine here in the UK, uh, which is the world's longest-running sci-fi and fantasy magazine, so I'm very proud to write for that, and uh, Insider and in StarWars.com. Uh, Insider, there's some cool stuff. I think issue 208's just come out. I've got a interview with Harriet Walter in there, so which was lovely because she was ever so nice. So that was, a, that was a cool thing to do. And there's loads of stuff coming up over the next few issues. But, uh, yeah, they're the places to find me if you want to. Send me love or abuse. I'll take it in equal measure.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, Carl, if people want to get in contact with us outside of listening to the show, where can people do that?
0: Uh, Well, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, You can find us on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at WampasLairPodcast at gmail.com.
1: Excellent. Well, anything else, gentlemen, before we close down this episode? It's been a I was going to say, it's
2: been awesome. I was going to say, it's been awesome. And I can't believe we've waited so long to do it. So thank you for inviting me on. It's been Awesome
0: yeah well thank you for being on this was this was awesome it was such a such a pleasure having you
1: with us indeed all right well thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the wampas lair podcast this has been episode number 454 Fanta tracker for carl and mark i'm jason and we'll see you next time here in the wampas lair